And this episode of Juice Crew Radio is brought to you by TriBest, making healthy living easy. And the Juice Crew Rewind at JuiceGuruRewind.com. Well, welcome. Welcome to Juice Guru Radio. Discover what the magic and power of juicing can do for you. And now, your host, best-selling author of The Complete Idiot's Guide to Juice Fasting, Steve Prusak. Hello, welcome to the show. I'm Steve Prusak. It's so great to be with you. We've got Corinne Zupko, the author of From Anxiety to Love. We're going to hear all about her, the amazing work she's doing, and how we can overcome anxiety and move towards love. We're going to hear about her journey and more. So get a tea, some juice, some water. We'll be back right after this with Corinne Zupko. Here's another Juice Guru approved products. Hey there, Juice Guru tribe. Here at Juice Guru, we've tried a lot of juicers. But the one we've chosen as our absolute favorite for the last three years in a row has been the TriBest Slow Star. It operates at a very slow speed of just 47 RPMs, which means your juice won't lose the freshness, quality, and enzymes due to friction and heat. TriBest Slow Star makes healthy living easy. Get one today. Well, thank you. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's so great to be with you. We've got Corinne Zupko here. I said her new book, From Anxiety to Love, available on Amazon and uh, bookstores worldwide. She's helped thousands of people through one-on-one coaching, leading meditation classes for corporations, and she's co-founder of Miracle Share International, some of the largest conferences of, uh, around A Course of Miracles there. We had a show about A Course of Miracles a while back, if you guys remember. Uh, you can visit her online at www.fromanxietytolove.com. We'll have links under the show notes at juicegrewradio.com, so don't worry if you didn't get that down. We'll share it again later. Let's welcome to the show right now, Corinne Zupko. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for being here, Corinne. Well, first, can you just share your journey, how, you know, you went from anxiety to love and what your life looked like before some of the powerful tools that you're using now? Absolutely. So I can sum it up by saying I was a mess. (laughs) And for anybody listening, for anybody watching, I know that you know, if you've ever had anxiety, if you've ever had a panic attack, you know how difficult it is to describe it to somebody who's never had one. So I'm going to try to describe it, but knowing that the words really don't capture the depth of the fear and the debilitating feelings that anxiety can cause. So my journey actually began at a very young age. I was diagnosed with my first psychiatric diagnosis. It would be one of many. Um, I was diagnosed with separation anxiety disorder when I was a child. I was only about two years old. And as I grew, I had a lot of phobias as a kid, a lot of worries. I had an ulcer by the time I was 12. So, you know, there was a lot of nervousness, a lot of anxiety all the time. But college years are a time when mental health issues surface for a lot of people, and I was no exception. So my sophomore year of college, I learned that a student who I didn't even know died very suddenly of meningitis. Supposedly, he was at a party the night before, and passed away the next morning. And I remember hearing this and getting really freaked out. I remember feeling this surge of fear come through my body, like, how can this happen? How can he be okay? And then gone. And what if this happens to me? So I remember talking myself down to get through the day, like, okay, Corinne, it's all right. You know, you're going to be fine. But I woke up three o'clock that next morning, feeling like I was punched in the stomach by stress hormones. I remember sitting up in my bunk bed, trying to just breathe because I felt like I was choking. 
and my whole body was shaking. I broke out into a sweat. My heart was racing. I remember climbing down the bunk bed ladder, trying not to wake up my roommate who was beneath me in the, her, her bunk below mine. And we didn't have cell phones back then. So I grabbed my room phone and, and grabbed the wire and pulled it into the bathroom. And I called my mom. I sat there on the cold tiles, trembling, terrified. I was having a heart attack, feeling like I was about to die. Panic attacks and anxiety give you like tunnel vision where your awareness constricts. So it's like you only know that fear. You only know anxiety. You lose all sense of what peace was like, of what it was like to feel grounded. And so when I was on the phone with my mom that night, we sort of talked through it and figured out that I was having a panic attack. And she instilled hope in me that we'd find help. And the interesting thing is that she previously, up to this point, had tried here and there to talk to me about this spiritual pathway called the Course in Miracles. And what do kids do when parents try to give them something, but we resist it, right? <laughs> so I would literally, I remember I was, I was such a snot. I'd put my hands on my ears and be like, I don't want to hear this spiritual crap. Speak to me in English. I'm not interested. And it wasn't until I was in this place of just complete desperation that I was open to trying anything. I was open to trying anything that would possibly help me feel better because my anxiety was very existential. I remember struggling with feelings of like, why are we here? You know, what's the point of all this? If people say that God is love, how can a loving God create things that die? Like that just did not make sense to me. That didn't make sense to me at all. So it was through her introducing me to A Course in Miracles. And I will tell you, the first time I opened the book, I read these three lines, nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. Herein lies the peace of God. And I went, huh? <laughs> I had no idea, no clue what that meant. But something in me stirred, something in my heart lit up and it spoke to me. And that feeling kept me motivated to keep studying, even though I didn't comprehend or understand maybe 95% of what I was reading. There were bits and pieces here and there that gave me a lot of peace. And so my journey, my early days with A Course in Miracles, I'd go to the book, I'd read something, it would, it would make me feel a little bit better, and then I'd go back to doing what I was doing. And interestingly, about 11 years later, I was, this is around 2009, I had another really debilitating episode of anxiety where I felt like my psyche exploded, I was having panic attacks, that felt like they would never end. I was shaking. I was unable to eat much because my stomach was in such a knot. So if those of you are listening and you relate to this, I, I, you know, I, I know that it's hard to describe and to really convey the depth of the fear, but I'm, I'm certain that people listening can relate either for yourself or if you've witnessed someone close to you struggle with anxiety because 40 million Americans struggle with anxiety disorders. And I personally believe that that's low. I think that that is um, just the folks who are coming forward and, you know, talking about it to their doctors. But I think it's far more widespread, especially when you look at the high end of the continuum of anxiety being the anxiety disorders. But if you look on the lower end of the continuum of anxiety, we can all relate to that. That feeling of like being keyed up or feeling like you're restless. You're sitting still, but you feel like it's hard to sit still. So you're shaking your foot. Um, 
the feelings of, or the thoughts of like, I should have done this, or I should have done that, or what if this happens, we all can relate to that. And so anxiety is very common and very widespread. And so just jumping back to finish out my, my summary of my story in 2009, when I started having a really bad episode again, I thought, wow, I've been on this spiritual path for over a decade. How is this happening again? But I realized I was using my spiritual practice as a band-aid. I'd kind of go to it, do some things, make myself feel better, and then go back to doing what I was doing. And there wasn't an actual integration of like really changing my mind and shifting my identity from a fearful identity to embodying this state of love that I talk about in my book. And as I really started going deeper with A Course in Miracles, I started finding that I was shedding anxiety. It was just falling away. Fears that I had had for years just started lifting and just started releasing. And I had to write about what was helping me and the results are in the pages of From Anxiety to Love. So I've not had panic attacks since. It's, it's since been 2009. So it's been a solid amount of time. I live anxiety free. I'm able to fly on airplanes now without medication or without you know, having to be in a state of meditation the entire time. So there have been significant changes in my life and I'm just so thrilled to be able to share what I've learned through the pages of this book and find about how much, how much it's helping others and how much uh, feedback I've been getting for folks who really resonate with a spiritual remedy for the anxiety uh, that we can struggle with. So no matter who we are, we all have different levels of anxiety, which causes stress, stress, which can lead to sickness, no matter how healthy we are, if we're doing our daily juicing and whatever. So what, and we talk, you draw your, uh, you know, you draw your um, expertise or the initial thing that helped was A Course in Miracles. That was the thing. Was that really where you honed in on going deeper with that teaching to help and bring it to what you're doing now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the, again, my anxiety was so existential. It was very existentially based. And A Course in Miracles answered those tough questions for me. Like, why are we here? What's the point of all this? And it really got to that deeper root cause of where the fear comes from, which in my experience is this belief that we're separate from each other, that we are separate from love, that, you know, love is something outside of us. It's something out there. It's something that the world tells us, oh, once you get that right relationship or that right house, or you have the right job or your business is a success, then I'll be happy. That's what the world tells us. This pathway of going from anxiety to love is very much an inward journey where we are uncovering the blocks of fear in our mind that hide the love, the hide, that hide that spark of love and joy and peace that's within every single one of us, just waiting to be known. So we did a show on A Course in Miracles, so you guys can find that in the archives. But for those you know, new to the idea, can you just give a general overview of, of the teachings of what you get out of that course? Absolutely. So A Course in Miracles is a book. You can get it anywhere. And there's a text. In, in the book, there's three parts, a text, a workbook, and a manual for teachers. The text is very theoretical. It can be hard to understand. The workbook has a lesson for every day of the year. So there are 365 lessons. That's actually a great place to start for anybody interested. And the manual for teachers at the back is written in a Q&A format, which is actually much easier to digest than the text. So the manual is another great place for folks to begin because we're all teachers and learners. And essentially, the course is teaching us to, as I mentioned, remove the blocks of fear in our mind 
to uncover the love, the divine love that's in all of us. And it helps us shift our identity from a small sense of self. So my separate identity as Corinne helps me get out of that and embody and know this much greater self, this true self, this higher mind, you know, whatever you want to call it, it helps us reconnect and know that that actually is who we, we really are. And in that, in that awareness of who we really are, anxiety has to fall away. It can't exist in a space of knowing true, true love. And I'm talking about like the love of the universe, not just, you know, romantic love. So like the big capital L love. So no matter what level of anxiety we might have, you know, even if it's just the occasional anxiety, what can we all get out of this? What can we expect if we can overcome that, you know, aside, besides a state of calm? What other things have you noticed in your life? That's a great question. I've noticed so many things in so many different levels. Life kind of gets a little bit easier when we're not operating from a state of fear a state of worry, like what's going to happen here or what if that doesn't work out or what's going to, you know, fill in the blank. When we start to release that thinking and go with the flow, we find that things, life does seem to get a little bit easier. And even if challenges come up, we can view them as opportunities to grow as, um, you know, lessons or as teachers instead of like, oh, I can't believe this is happening. So, Life itself, in my experience, can have more of a flow to it. I've found, I mentioned already, flying on an airplane for me, I can now do with joy and ease and peace, whereas before I would obsess and worry over getting on a plane the moment I booked the ticket. Um, our relationships can improve. So if you think about it, hurt people hurt people. You know, when people are suffering in any way, um, a Course in Miracles says the crucified gives pain because they are in pain. So that sounds very like um, religious, but you can kind of get the meaning um, about when somebody's in pain or hurt, you're acting out from that place. So if you instead are working on shedding fear and embodying and knowing the love within you, you're going to draw that love out from others as well. You're going to connect with others from this loving place and have much different interactions in your relationships than before. And that's been my experience as well. I've had my relationships improve. Um, some of the most challenging relationships in my life have gotten a lot better. And not that they're always perfect or easy, but I have tools that I can use and turn to to, to help. So pretty much um, in addition to just feeling more peaceful and more happy, I've found that you know life just has more of a flow to it when I'm practicing what I'm, what I'm preaching. <laughs> well, now you talk about anxiety, the, the whole thing being like your greatest teacher, they're going through that nightmarish experience. And can you explain that more? Yeah. So anxiety is my greatest teacher because if you think about it, when we go through something difficult, if we do that, with the attitude of this sucks, I hate this, I don't wanna do this. If we go kicking and screaming, because whatever that difficult experience is, is happening anyway, we're just adding in more strain. Instead, if we can see all of our challenges as opportunities to grow or opportunities that they can be our teacher, we then have an, a, a chance here to learn something new, to discover something about ourselves. And with anxiety being my teacher, it was so painful 
and such a strong motivator to do something different that it drove me deeply into this practice of A Course in Miracles. And it motivated me to go deeper with it than I would have if everything was just fine. So I am grateful that the anxiety has brought me to where I am today because I have a much easier and much happier life than I would have otherwise. So I really think there's something to it if we can repurpose all of our experiences to be used to help us um, wake up instead of staying asleep in this fearful um, dream, so to speak. So what are the first steps we can take to start overcoming any form of anxiety, no matter how easy or severe? What What are some of the first steps we can take? Well, there's a bunch of different ways that I can answer this question. So I want to give a few different points. On a very practical level, if we are finding that we are having anxiety in any form, one of the best things we can do first is to be honest about it. So I've never found that when I'm anxious, if I deny that, that I'm anxious, if I'm like, oh, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, but I'm feeling really anxious inside, that's never helped me. Instead, that kind of denial, I had a client once say something so brilliant. I remember this client said, if you sweep it under the rug, it just stays there for you to trip on. So I thought that was so true. Rather than you know, denying something, instead, let's bring it out, bring it out to the light in order for it to be healed. So number one, get really honest about how you're feeling and say it. There's an expression in um, neuroscience name it to tame it. If we can name our feelings, that actually decreases the amygdala firing in our brain. So that fight or flight center in our brains will will calm down if we're able to articulate our feelings into words. So we can also, so we can get honest and we can name what we feel. In addition to that, a few additional things that can be really helpful are to check in with your body. So right now, if as long as anybody listening is not driving, <laughs> Right now, everybody else can just put, put one hand on your chest and the other hand on your belly and just breathe naturally. Just breathe however you're breathing and pay attention to the breath and the movement in your torso and notice which hand is doing more of the moving. Is it your top hand or is it your bottom hand on your belly? And just notice this for yourself. And a simple thing that you can do, if you notice that top hand is doing most of the moving, just soften your belly. Just release any extra tension in your belly and automatically you're going to feel that more diaphragmatic breath happen, which is a much calmer breath than a chest breath, which is more anxious and shallow. So that's a really quick you know, tip that we can do in the moment just to check in with our bodies. And then the more spiritual approach to this, which is the healing recipe that I talk about in my book, it's a three-step process. And first, it's about finding your willingness. So step one, find your willingness to see your problem differently, whether your problem is anxiety, a relationship conflict, whatever it may be. So step one, find your willingness to see it differently. Step two, give that willingness to your inner therapist. Now, this is something that I call uh, a term that I use in my book, inner therapist, you might use the term higher mind, wise mind, your intuition, your highest self. The word we use doesn't matter, but it's the idea that we are turning to a part of our own mind that remembers love, that knows this love that we're made of. So 
we're turning to that part of our mind and we're saying, hey, take my willingness. I'm willing to see this differently. Give me a miracle instead. And a miracle is not like a big poof, you know, something just manifesting out of thin air. A miracle, according to A Course in Miracles, is a shift in perception from a fearful perception to a loving perception. We can think about this as an internal miracle. But there are external miracles as well, which are defined as expressions of love. So every time we express love to another, we are extending miracles. So we're asking for that miracle instead of you know, our problem. So step one, find your willingness. Step two, give your willingness to your inner therapist and ask for the miracle. And the third step is to trust that it's done. You've asked for a shift. And of course, miracles teaches that that shift is given the moment we ask for it, that miracle is given the moment we ask for it, but we might not yet be ready to receive it, which is why if you do these three steps and you're like, okay, now what? You know, nothing's happened. This third step can sometimes be the hardest because this is where trust comes into play, where we really have to trust that we've handed something over and that we'll receive that shift, you know, the moment that we're ready. And this is where meditation can come in with getting quiet and, you know, listening and, and working on releasing our worries and our fears. So that's the three-step process that I talk about in the book. And I break it down um, in a lot of different ways too, because the three steps, like I said already, we can go through them and be like, all right, nothing has happened. What next? And the what next steps are additional things that I talk about in the book to sort of tackle when nothing happens. <laughs> We're with Corinne Zupko. She's the author of From Anxiety to Love, from anxietytolove.com for more information on that book and available at bookstores worldwide, Amazon. We'll have the links over at Juice Guru Radio under the show notes. And for those in the Juice Guru Rewind, we'll have that for you in the replay right under the video. So you can always uh, tune into that. Uh, great suggestions, Corinne. What about those? Would you say it's the same if we're in the middle of an anxiety attack? Would we use the same strategies? What, what else can we draw from during those moments? Absolutely. That's a great question. Definitely the, the abdominal breathing. So if you're in a panic attack, softening your belly and allowing the breath to just naturally flow into the belly, that can be really helpful. And two other things that I'll mention if you're in a panic attack is to number one, Remember that you're not going crazy. I think that's the number one fear that when people are having a panic attack, they're afraid that they're losing their mind and that they're going crazy. And you are not. You are just having a panic attack. And I want to highlight, I teach uh, counseling classes. So I'm a counselor by training and I'm a counselor educator now. And the, um, the idea of, you know, the fear of... Um, losing your mind is so common and you know that that fear that actually will drive people to they think they're having a heart attack so they they go to um, a hospital it ends up that it is just a panic attack and the um other piece about panic attacks and dealing with them is that knowing that they're in time so the the definition of a panic attack is that it is a feeling of abrupt fear that you know, surges through your body, it peaks, and then eventually it will come down, meaning that panic happens in time. So know if you're having a panic attack, it happens in linear time, it has a start and it has an end. And um, that's just really important for, for folks to remember that it will come uh, to an end for sure. And traditionally, they're putting people on medications to treat anxiety. I like that you're helping people overcome it naturally and helping so many people in the process, right? This helps you get off the medication, right? 
This really did. So I'll come back to medication in, in one moment. I just want to add too, this is what I was going to say before, and I lost my thought for a moment. If anybody is listening, I want you to know that if you have a panic attack, it does not mean you have a mental disorder. So I teach the DSM mm -hmm. and panic attacks can show up in different you know, mental disorders, but a healthy person can just have a panic attack. So I want folks to know that, that it doesn't mean if you have panic attacks or one single panic attack that there's anything you know, wrong with you. And I don't even like the whole medical model um, look you know, anyway. And that's a whole other discussion. But with the point about medication, Yes, this did help me get off medication. Um, when I first started having panic attacks in college, I did not want to go on medicine because I was afraid if I did, I'd never want to go off of it. So instead, I chose to just, you know, plow my way through it and find what really got to the source, you know, what really made me feel better. But fast forward, when I had that episode in 2009 as an adult, I was so debilitated. I needed something. I needed a crutch. I needed a temporary support. And I actually looked at medication as part of my support system, but I trusted. So what I would do would be to take my medication, but I'd give it to my inner therapist. I'd say, help me with this. You know, I'm going to trust that my need for this is going to fall away the moment I'm ready to let it go. And that's exactly what happened. So doing this process helped me shed that need um, for the medication. So um, it's not something that, you know, I need anymore, which is great. Corinne Zipko, thank you again for being on Juice Crew Radio. Again, we have the links up at juicecrewradio.com. Before we close out the radio segment, we'll take some questions from our studio audience as part of the rewind, uh, but we'll be ending our stream in just a couple minutes here. Anything else to say in closing that we didn't share with our listeners or viewers on how, you know, how we can overcome anxiety and, you know, really embrace life, really? Well, what I want folks to remember, this is my favorite quote in the book. This is what my stepdad said to me when I was on, I was at my mom and my stepdad's house, flat out on their couch, you know, my mascara stains running down my cheeks from crying because I was all in a ball and, you know, having massive panic attacks. And he looked at me and he said, Corinne, the light in you is too bright to fail. And so I say that now to everybody listening, whether you have anxiety or not, whatever your struggle may be, whatever your challenge may be, the light in you is too bright to fail. Our success is guaranteed. So I always, always, always want folks to remember that and remember hope. Keep up the great work. Corinne Zepko, thank you so much for being on Juice Career Radio. And we'd love to have you on again. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm Steve Prusak, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Juice Guru Radio. Find out more about us at juiceguru.com. Until next time, get your juice on.